Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And you can follow me on Twitter at Pod. And my name is Zach Lyons, just in case you didn't know. And I am off COVID IR. Uh, sort of. Sort, sort of. I'm going you, through the protocols still. Yes, you're waiting for your second negative test. But welcome to the program. Great to have you back, by the way. Uh, of course, the football show brought to you every Monday and Thursday, 1 p.m. Central Time by the wonderful folks at the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. If you have to make any big decisions about your house, make sure you do so with the help of the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Uh, Zach, we are hopeful to be back into the Cast Collective studio, our wonderful studio that we got to use twice uh, before you got the the Rona, um, the cocoa. We got the flow. (laughs) You got the cocoa. It's okay. We've all had it. Uh, everybody's doing well, and so we'll be back hopefully inside the Cast Collective studio over there on Music Row at Cast underscore Collective. If you want to have a wonderful place in the heart of downtown Nashville for a private event or whatever, make sure you check it out uh, there. We've got a big show planned for you guys today. We'll get into Tom Brady, of course, because we all have to have an opinion about Tom Brady. I'm, I'm super excited about Rookie Camp, Zach. I can't wait to get out there on Friday, so we'll give you something to talk about there and hopefully some some advice on how to deal with the, the coverage that will come out of Titans rookie camp over the course of the weekend. So we'll get to that. But this is a football show. We cover the SEC as well. So we're going to talk a lot about what's going on with the SEC scheduling, expansion, the portal, the NCAA, all that great stuff. We're going to do all that today on the program. Zach, what do people need to do to get involved with the show? My friend, they need to head over to the YouTube page. And so on my Twitter, your Twitter, everywhere, go to the YouTube page because that is literally the only place, uh, to my knowledge, besides uh, Facebook as well that you can actually comment on the show because for the first time in our show's history, long storied history, it's been (laughs) around for decades. We are going to ask and, or we're going to let you ask questions and we are going to answer them. So we, we've kind of gotten to a rhythm now. So you need to go to YouTube. You need to go to Facebook and join those channels, the 440 sports YouTube channel and comment on the uh, comment on the show. Ask us any question that may pop into your head as we discuss these important life-changing events that are happening all around us every day. <laughs> yes, and it doesn't have to be football-related. Obviously, we prefer football questions, but if you'd like to know what Zach ate for dinner last night, he'll answer that one too. He, he will. I will. He'll do that for you. He's he is an open book, everybody. I am. Uh, I, I hide nothing. My wife hates it. Did, did you enjoy watching uh, Easton take your spot on Monday? I, I mean, it was it was a good show, fine show. Uh, I would I would say a C plus performance by Easton, who calls himself wow. the AFC South expert, but has no clue how the AFC schedule works and the NFL schedule works. So, uh, <laughs> if Buffalo finishes first and the Titans finish first, guess what? They're going to play again this year. If they both finish second, they're going to play again next year. That's what if I thought. Have, yeah, you were totally right. Uh, Easton was totally wrong and totally derailed the whole thing. It's the same scheduling format that's been around for a decade. So. So you, you can, I can already tell you uh, 16 of the 17 games for next year. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the, the one where you don't know what, what place you finish in is, is basically the only yeah. one that's and you just decided. Gotta, I think what his problem was is that he wasn't either accounting for the division that you play in the AFC. Cause you, you rotate divisions where you play every team or he wasn't counting the AFC South as in his numbers somewhere. 
All right, he's already been mentioned too many times on the show, but we do we do greatly appreciate his uh, performance on yeah. Monday and to step in short notice like that. Uh, obviously, Zach on the men feeling better. Uh, we'll be back hopefully again in the studio, Cast Collective there live on Music Row on Monday. Uh, again, turn on all the notifications, subscribe, uh, all that great stuff. And uh, by the way, schedule release party I guess is on <laughs> Thursday evening tonight. I don't I don't really get that into it because I like you said we already know all the teams. Um, I'm sure there'll be some primetime takes from everybody across the internet. So just as we like to do on this show, warn you. Your primetime takes (laughs) that uh, really should be saved for those paid infomercials in the mornings because they're just hot shit takes. Like, I'm so sick of, first off, the scheduling uh, leaks that come out and then everybody falling for the same accounts every year. I'm sick of people you know, spending, wasting the listeners' times and the watchers' times talking about... Well, what do you think that the line is going to open up for for, you know, the Buffalo Bills game? Like, who gives a fucking shit? That line's going to change like 30 fucking times in between now and then. It is time for people to get substance. And speaking of substance. Yes. Well, hang on. Hang on. We 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 are we warn you on this show. This is going to be one of our mantras, I think, Zach, as we as we sort of get into this show longer and longer, which is don't consume the empty calories on Twitter. Yeah. There are they 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 are it's it's like staying up late at night needing a whole bag of veggie straws when all your kids are abed and they're not going to catch you and you're going to eat the whole bag because I can't stop eating them but there, there's no nutritional value there so you're going to get a lot of empty takes empty calories on the Twitter sphere when the schedule comes out so just just remember that on the show today yeah I mean at this point I don't care what the home schedule looks like I don't care what the away schedule looks like I know the teams that they're playing. It's it really does not matter in the big scheme of things. There there are some key takeaways, miles dr- flown, rest days. Those are key takeaways. What the line is doesn't matter. No. How many primetime guessing the playing the game of guessing how many primetime games the Titans have, who gives a shit? Go to the games, don't go to the games, watch the games, don't watch the games. I, I don't care. Well, I mean <laughs> these takes, the these uncreative topics and takes and speaking of substance and speaking of creativity i enjoyed the show on monday when you guys talked about the sec leadership through this nil chaos and it's an nil chaos that is created by the ncaa because right now is a pivotal moment for not just the ncaa as a whole but also sec as a whole and just sports in general for the college era look the ncaa is has created their own mess and it's been um, because they've been pretty much pushing away the idea that they should compensate for athletes for decades upon decades upon decades at this point. And I want to get into a little bit how they got here, because it sounds like to me, once again, when the courts started intervening and they're going to these court cases and they're in this trial or whatever you want to call it, they just thought that they weren't, they were too big to fail. They were never going to lose that court case. And so the court's like, okay, we're ruling against you. They're going to get paid and ILs a go. And the NCAA is like, whoa, we, we don't have any regulations or rules. And the wild, wild west happens. And now they're trying to put the genie back in the bottle at this point, which is going to be hard to do. They're trying to wrangle all the NIL deals like they're pretty much a herd of cats, wild cats, yep. or at loose in a house. And so you guys had a great show on Monday. And then as things tend to happen, a big news story breaks after you guys discuss this topic right after the show almost. And I, I laughed because that always happens, right? Sure. always happens after you do a show, big news story breaks. So take the people through what happened on Monday after the show with the NIL and the NCAA. 
So the NCAA has been threatening loosely, vaguely, you know, through back channel releases and leaks that they're going to crack down on name, image, and likeness, which they did on Monday, basically saying that collectives, which if you don't know, a collective is essentially a, a booster pool of cash, right? Just imagine all of your best friends who are diehard Alabama fans who all donate money to Alabama pooling their money into one company so that that company can go take that money and give it to recruits or to current players on the team. So that's what a collective is, basically. They're out there working to get deals for athletes. Well, this has obviously changed the landscape of recruiting, namely for Tennessee and a little bit for Texas A&M. They're two that are like leading the way on this. And the NCAA had says, as of May 9th, which was Monday, you can collectives are now treated as boosters which boosters have different rules than just a regular fan or a business or whatever else, which means you cannot pay recruits. And what, what drives me so bonkers on this, it's so mind-numbingly stupid, is because, as you laid out perfectly, they had 20 years to solve this problem, did nothing. Everyone inside the building of the NCAA knew this was going to be a problem and did nothing. There's all kinds of sources from inside the NCAA on this. And... To now come back and say, not only is it illegal as of Monday, but we're going to retroactively investigate everybody for doing the thing we told you you could do last June. I am hopeful, Zach. (laughs) Are you? I am hopeful that this is a scare tactic by the NCAA. That this is a trial balloon scare tactic that is used to sort of, you know how when like, I mean, I frankly, I think the Supreme Court is doing this right now, but like. There is a scare tactic that says, oh, we're going to implement rule X. And what really ends up happening is after the reaction to rule X is you sort of do X minus Y, right? Does that make sense? Like you you, you try to take five steps forward and then you realize that everybody hates that. So you really only take three steps forward and you kind of back off of your initial ruling. I'm hopeful that's what the NCAA does here. They say, look, we need some new rules. We need some new guidelines. So as of May 9th, you can't do this anymore but we're going to try to put some new stuff in place, but we're not going to go back and investigate you for doing the thing we told you you could do, which is so unbelievably idiotic in my opinion. So this is why Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, was talking to Congress last weekend. You think think Greg Sankey wants to talk to Congress about anything about his league? Probably not. He probably wants to keep things as close to the vest as possible, like all commissioners do. I mean, I'm talking about commissioners of all sports don't like to get other people involved in their business because you're ceding a little bit of power and a yeah. little bit of influence that you have bit by bit. You're like selling a little piece of your soul by going up to Congress <laughs> and asking for help, which, which well, leads us to, that, to this. Well, hang on, yeah, hang on. That, that should, sorry to interrupt you. That should no, no. tell you how important this is though to him, yeah. that he's willing to go to Congress and thinks that Congress should be the one to help put some guardrails in for this issue in name, image, and likeness because he doesn't think he has so little faith in the NCAA, which we all agree is atrocious. So should you have more faith in not to get too political here, but should you have more faith in Congress? It's like not knowing how to fix a car and going to someone that only works on bicycles. No, this is you are 1 million percent true. The, The only this is how bad the NCAA is, is that Congress might be more efficient. Like that's that's where we are with the NCAA. That's how bad it's gotten. This is like Paris Hilton asking Kim Kardashian for help on her physics homework. Like it's just not it's it's not a thing that's doable. But again, this is he has no other choice. He like t- Tennessee, for example, has acted has put in legislation 
that actually goes the other direction. The state of Tennessee legislative actually has put in rules in law that allows collectives to communicate with the university. <laughs> so the Tennessee state laws are actually saying you can do more while the NCAA is saying you can do less. There is you can't jive these things. So somebody's going to have to come in and fix it all, which they should have had. I, I feel like a little blame. I'm just going to throw this out there. A little blame should be laid at the rest, uh, laid at the feet of the court because they just opened it up without just maybe having a guide in hand and saying, okay, you have this long to enact it. Maybe we start it up next year and you, the people can start signing. Let's get some regulations in together because the government's the one that's approving this and pushing it forward. But, you know, they kind of just like, well, you know, whatever. No, and, and now, this the is, NCAA this... should have prepared for it, though. Yes, this, I, mean, that's I still the, agree. That is the main point, is that people inside the NCAA knew about this for 20 years and did nothing. They had their chance to do something about it. They did absolutely nothing about it. And frankly, what's going to happen is a bunch of lawsuits. A bunch of lawsuits are now going to pour in against the NCAA and all the lawyers are the ones who are going to win on this. Whoever has billable hours is the one who's going to win. They're the ones who are going to be the, the, the grand winner in all of this. And so there's going to be now lawsuits. And what we don't want is for athletes to turn into employees. Because if they turn into employees, they, they're taxed. They can be fired. The universities change status. There's a whole lot of stuff that athletes, frankly, do not want to do if it becomes an employee situation. So there's a whole lot of legalese and lawsuits that are coming. To The problem is that when you take it to the courts, Generally, you have like all or nothing propositions. And I think that the answer is in the middle where we want athletes to be paid, but we don't want to completely destroy college athletics. And so I don't know what's going to happen, man. I really don't in terms of how it's all going to work together. Well, you already have some of these smaller schools. I don't know if you saw Deion Sanders comments, but you already have these smaller yeah. schools already taking issues. These, you know, HBCUs, which they have a rightful complaint. Now, let, let's call it like it is. If NIL existed back when Deion Sanders was was in college, he would have been the highest paid college athlete ever. And what what I do though hate about all this is that it is going to hurt smaller schools without some rules and regulations. I am all for these athletes getting paid, but there has to be some kind of equalizer among among everybody. I'm not maybe it's a salary cap. I don't I, know. That, but that's, I think that's the only issue. The way you can solve this is have, okay, you have this budget. Every school has this budget, maybe based on something. And this is what you can spend it on. And you, you can spend it on one player. You can spend it on three players or something like that. But something has to be done to make it competitively advantageous for someone to choose a smaller school over a bigger school if they're talented enough to choose between both. Yeah, and I think, and Nick Saban has alluded to this, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit here as we sort of discuss the future of the SEC and what it looks like as we're entering an era where we're going to see potentially divisions go away. We're going to see two teams from Texas and Oklahoma join. We're going to see playoff expansion, TV contracts, like all this stuff is changing and evolving in real time. Nick Saban has already said what's going to happen, which is that eventually there's just, to your point about a salary cap, there's just going to be a fee, a number. And if you go to Alabama or maybe even an SEC school, let's call it, you're going to get 50 grand a year. Like, that'll be it. Like, you, if you play football on scholarship in the SEC, every one of you gets 50 grand a year. You get cost of attendance. You get, you know, all the stuff for, you know, room and board. You get unlimited food and 50 grand a year. Like, that's where we're headed is a true just, like, blanket salary for every SEC football player. So I, I, that, that's where I think we're going in terms of NIL. 
Well, I mean, that's why the title is. It's an era-defining moment because you're talking about what what is going to happen over these next few months or however long this takes to sort all this mess out is the college landscape is going to change drastically. It's going to change and affect generations to come. It's an era-defining moment. And one of the things that is coming out of this discussion is college football playoffs and the expansion and maybe doing away with divisions entirely in these conferences. So let me get your thoughts on that. Tell people why this is coming about and why this is such a big deal. So first and foremost, this all stems from the SEC grabbing Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12, to which there is no answer in college. No no one else in college football can answer what the SEC did by taking Texas and Oklahoma, which we've talked about ad nauseum on every platform in the history of the world. Um, there, there is nothing anyone else can do that can match that kind of power move by the SEC. So they're going to be at 16 teams right now. That's 2016, uh, 2026. There are some rumors right now floating through the Big 12 that many recruits for Texas and Oklahoma are being told that this is going to happen much sooner. Um, I, I have talked to people in Birmingham at the SEC office that will tell you that they do not want divisions because there's going to be 16 teams and they want their primary goal, from what I understand. For other conferences, it's many things. It's put the best two teams in the playoff. It's get yourself the best opportunity to make the playoff, right? Especially when it expands. But for the SEC, their primary goal is to get more teams scheduled to, to within the conference more frequently. So right now, Georgia and Alabama play in Georgia once every 12 years. That's unacceptable for the from the SEC standpoint, from their offices. They, they want every team rotating through the league more often, more matchups, more good games, more sellable commodities. So they're going to go to... Here's what's going to happen, Zach. You tell me if you like it. They're going to go to nine conference games. They're probably going to get rid of divisions, which I love. I hate divisions altogether. I love the, I love the change. I don't love division. <laughs> I love the move to get rid of divisions. And they're going to do a three and six model. The ACC is going to do a three and five model. Here's my guess. You're going to have three permanent opponents. And then you're going to rotate a home and home with the other six. So what will happen is you will play all six, all 15 teams in the league twice within a four year span. So I think think that makes sense. I I think that's that's always made sense. and And it is awesome because I, I, I get divisions and I get what they're supposed to do and all that kind of stuff, but you do really lack being able to build some new rivalries, some fresh blood, because eventually Alabama and Georgia are not going to be the top two teams. I I don't know when that is, but eventually (laughs) it's going to happen. And this helps build a little bit of rivalry and gets people maybe get some other, um, some other teams, some me, fresh blood and fresh eyes on them that normally probably wouldn't see them in their market. Because if you, you yeah. would think every sec game is shown, but you know, not necessarily. Well, think about this uh, Auburn and Florida. How often do they play in Gainesville once yeah. every 12 years? Yeah. Uh, we, I, we already mentioned Alabama, Georgia. What about LSU, Tennessee, Tennessee's going to LSU this year in 2022. That's going to be the only time they do that in 12 years. Like that's we can't have LSU and Tennessee playing in, in Baton Rouge one time in twelve years. We can't right. have Auburn and Florida playing in at Auburn one time in twelve years. Alabama, Georgia, like we need more of this. And what's cool, and I think here's the goal, Zach: balance. You're trying to find balance. You want to save some of the really, really good, deeply rooted, passionate rivalries, right? Alabama, Auburn, the Egg Bowl, you know, whatever, uh, Florida, Georgia. But you also want to create new ones and rotational 
stuff. And again, this is from this is from what I understand inside the SEC offices. Their primary goal is to get games cycling through each other's campuses as often as possible. And then they move to nine games. And guess what they can do? They can charge more money with their TV partners when they're putting nine conference games out there with more good matchups for fans. And oh, by the way, you can sell more season tickets that way, too. So I think it's great. I think it's great for the game. This is all going to be tied together. Texas and Oklahoma joining the league, playoff expansion, and new scheduling. It's all going to happen at the same time. I would guess 2024. July 1st, 2024 would be my guess for all of those things to happen all at one time. I, I love Sankey's perspective about the the four team versus expanding the college football. He says, <laughs> we can stay at four. This conference will thrive at four, period. That's not healthy for the rest of uh, FBS college football, but we can stay at four. Like, I love basically that Greg Sankey, Nick Saban, most of the SEC, when they go out and make a statement, they're pretty much rubbing it in everybody else's face that they are the best. They are the cream of the crop. You're trying to be us. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, like, even the words he used this time, because he said it so many stinking times before, like, he, he, I think he literally said, I don't know how many times I have to say this. <laughs> he's basically Benicio Del Toro in Usual Suspects, where he's like, can you hear me in the back? Can, can you hear me in the back? <laughs> this is Greg Sankey saying, we don't give a shit. We'll stay at four. We good, man. Yeah, we're, we're good. Like, I don't know how I don't know how long everybody else is going to take for them to realize that expansion is good for them. And and no matter what happens, it's good for the SEC. So yeah, SEC, I just SEC think there's going to be more teams to join in on the on the college football playoffs fund, and the the probably more SEC matchups and more people complain, but people still put eyeballs on it because they just yep. have to watch college yep. football. It does. It's it's like the New England Patriots whenever they kept making the Super Bowl, and everybody's like, "Well, I'm not going to watch it if the Patriots make it this year." And guess what? You did. You watched Super Bowl. You always watch. <laughs> Right, right. This is the Alabama Georgia playing in the national title, and oh, we don't want to watch that. Well, if it's a good game, you're gonna watch. Um, I, let me let me end on one final note here, and we move on. We'll talk Tom Brady, uh, Titans rookie camp. I, this is the most important thing because I was uh, I'll do a little humble brag here. I was hosting Fine Bomb on Wednesday, and a lot of those folks, let's just say, aren't exactly the creme de la creme of the human race. Let's just say that. I love you guys. I love you, Fine Bomb listeners. You're wonderful, but they couldn't understand like. All of this stuff is there, you know, the this, this saying, this is all ruining the game. I don't want college football to get ruined. Y'all are ruined. It's going to be ruined by all this new rules and stuff. The transfer portal and everything is all ruined. Here's the cool thing about all this stuff, guys. Your experience on Saturdays is not going to change. It's not. You're going to put on the same shirt with the same team colors. You're going to sit in the same section. You're going to sing the same song. You're going to park the car in the same spot. You're going to tailgate with your same friends. On the same outside the same stadium, singing the same damn fight song, rooting for the same damn team you've done for 50 straight years. It's not going to change because the running back gets paid some money. Who cares? So the beauty of all of this chaos is it's a lot to understand, but your experience as a fan on Saturday ain't going anywhere, folks. It's the, I, it's just, it's <clears throat> awesome. I'm interested to see long term how this affects the NFL draft with players coming out early, and or are they going to opt to stay? for a little bit more guaranteed money, a little bit easier time, and then maybe they will get a better NFL offer instead of taking that risk where, you know, I, I don't really want to go back to school and risk getting inj injured because there's no point. So I might as well take maybe a little bit less draft stock and jump into the NFL draft period this year. Now they're like, 
you know, yeah, hey, I want to get paid a little bit more. I yeah. may I may risk that injury for this money. Well, it's also worth the risk if you think you're a fringe draft pick or like a fourth or fifth or sixth rounder. And I think Roger McCrary kind of fits into this mold a little bit to some degree. Like I think he could have come out as a junior, the Titans second round pick out of Auburn. He could have come out as a junior and he, and I think he was a projected like fourth round guy, right? Like he was so in in an NIL situation, not only can he come back to school, get his degree, oh by the way. <laughs> oh by the way, get your degree, make a little money still because you got NIL and you're probably worth more within that Auburn community than you would be as like a, a, an undrafted free agent in the NFL, but you could improve your draft stock. And Roger Roger McCreary did that. He improved his draft stock. So, I'm with you. I think it's going to lead to more football players, the fringe guys coming back. If you're a first round pick, you're a first round pick. You got to go. Like, yeah, it probably second. will affect. Will affect basketball. I know we're a football show, but will it affect a sport like basketball that's had a hard time keeping people, you know, you know, keeping players from jumping to the NBA after one year? I uh, this is a football show. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, no, I don't I, know anything about basketball. I, I think basketball. the bigger the bigger concern for basketball. Just look at Belmont right now. Like Belmont lost almost every one of their starting players to go transfer to other school. It's it, the, the problem with basketball and NIL is the percentage of players that are transferring is much, much greater than in football. And the issue there is going to be like, you know, if you transfer from Belmont to Tennessee because you can make more money at Tennessee, you know, that that's going to be the, it's really going to cannibalize. I think the lower levels of basketball, I think that's a, that's a real concern with, with NIL, but again, that's, that's capitalism, baby. I don't know what yep. to do with that. So, I mean, it's just, it's just the way the world is going to work and the NCAA could have really, you know, tied a yep. Oh, on this, if they would have put a little bit more effort into figuring out how to get these players paid decades ago, you, you said a little bit more that would have meant that they put in some, um, yeah. just any effort would have been nice, would have been right. nice. Speaking, speaking of capitalism, Tom freaking Brady. So, what's he gonna get paid like 400 million dollars, 375? Well, like 375 over 10 years, which is just insane. So this, first of all, he's gonna go into the booth, assuming he retires, which I'm not sure is a sure bet. He could just like keep playing for forever who knows but when he retires he's going to go into the booth and he's going to be on fox with kevin burkhart shout out to my new york mets by the way he was a sideline reporter for the new york mets like four years ago one of the nicest guys in the business and deserve, deserves to be in that chair now as the number one lead play-by-play guy for fox um love kevin burkhart that's where brady's gonna go i my first reaction zach was what more brady like i've seen brady for 24 years, 22 years, whatever it is, I don't need more Brady in my life. Not for 375 million. I just, I don't understand why we are so obsessed with Tom Brady. I don't get it. Well, let, let me stop that right there. First off, Tom Brady was the most hated person for 20 something odd years that nobody liked and nobody, they all respected, but nobody liked him. So you're, you're not, you, you shouldn't have reached a boiling point with what Brady is now, because what Brady is now is the Brady that we've seen about for about two years since he left new England Patriots. So this is a new era of Brady that is being ushered in. And I think you're, you're holding him for the sins of the past where he's, he's grown. No, it's you know, not, it's you not, not find the... it, him interesting in the booth. I, so here's what I, to be fair, I'll have to give him a chance because if yeah. he's going to do a great job explaining football, then I'm down. I also don't understand the love for Tony Romo. I, I don't get it. Everyone's yeah, like, oh, I'm, like, I'm out on Tony Romo now. Like, I just rather not listen to an over exuberant child every play, <laughs> even when it's a horrible play. 
Now, now here's the thing. Like everyone's like, oh, he calls it every single time, and I'm like, no, he doesn't. He misses up all the time. Like he called it that one time, like in the playoffs in his first year, and he got it right. Now, listen, I think Romo's very good. I'm not trying to knock. I think Romo's fine. I just I don't understand the like the links that we go to to praise Tony Romo. It seems insane to me. And the same thing with Brady. Now, I think the Manning cast, for example, is a is is fantastic because it's a different model. I want to know what Brady brings to the table as a broadcaster because I just think, first of all, after you get past the number one broadcast team, there's a lot of garbage in there. There's a there's a lot of bad like Titans fans know this. Titans fans end up with like the sixth and seventh team all the time, or the fifth team for CBS or whatever. And a lot of times they can't even say some of the players' name. Like if you can't say Kevin Byard's name correctly, you do not deserve to be broadcasting a Titans game. And Fully it seems. Agree. And it seems like that happens a lot. So I, I need to see it. I need to hear it. I just am kind of, t- can he just go away for a while? Like, I just, I, I just don't need him in my life anymore. <laughs> well, I, I look at it this way. I, I like the Tom Brady that I saw in the Manning cast. I like the Tom Brady that I've seen at the, um, on the little golfing. The, the, I do the, like the that. Match. I do like that. That is the Tom Brady. I feel like you're going to get in the booth. I, I feel like you're going to get that Tom Brady. I didn't watch a man in the arena. I, I lived the man in the arena through the Tom Brady era. I don't need to go back and watch it right, <laughs> right now. Right. That's a little too soon for me. So I agree right, there. Right. That's a little too much for me. Like Jordan's big, you know, 30 for 30, ESPN 30 for 30 and all that. That took a couple of decades to come out and be phenomenal because you kind of forgot all the stuff about Jordan. We haven't even had a chance to forget anything about Brady. And so in my mind, I think you're getting, I think you're going to get a more real dry sarcastic <laughs> funny t- version of tony romo i don't think that he's gonna okay. sugarcoat everything like tony romo does and let's be honest here tom brady basically a lot of the players that tony romo played with and a lot of the coaches a lot of the defenses that he saw and all this stuff they're kind of out of the league right now tom brady by the, whenever he retires is gonna have a whole slew of stories to talk about imagine and mike mike herndon said this on football of efforts which you can find on podcasts everywhere on this last uh wednesday he said imagine the stories and the commentary surrounding mike vrabel and tom brady what could tom brady say that is gonna you know when mike vrabel makes a bad decision he's gonna call mike vrabel out but but is he gonna do that like that's my question i I, I think he will now whether that is a shtick that gets to continue is maybe a different story, but I think that for right now, I am very optimistic about what Tom Brady can bring. I I'm, I, I think he's way more interesting than Collinsworth or Herb street oh, or yeah. Joe Buck or Troy Aikman or Al Michaels and no offense to your guy, Kevin Burkhardt. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I was rooting for a Gus Johnson, Tom Brady kind of matchup. I think that would have been a pure electricity. Well, I don't for them. So what I don't know about Brady, and this is the same thing with Rodgers, frankly. Like, I think Aaron Rodgers is hilarious, but I don't think he'd be a good broadcaster because you have to sort of have some level of, like, you know, personality that kind of raises rises to the moment the way – like, that's – like, Gus Johnson, Tom Brady is a fascinating matchup because you've got this one guy who just goes way up and down the way Gus does. And I don't know what Brady sounds like when he's super excited because I've never actually seen him super excited about anything except for spiking the football in, like, Troy Palomalu's face in the end zone. Like, I don't – like, I don't know what Tom Brady looks like in that situation. So I I love Kevin Burkhardt. I'm, I'm biased. I'll be honest about that. 
What I want is what I'm what I'm worried about with Tom Brady, Zach, is that there's this, and you know this, there is this sort of like club when it comes to former players, former coaches, that they don't want to like out anybody, right? Like these are professional state secrets that we all get to keep in the locker room with our friendships. And I'm concerned that Tom, like, I think Tom Brady could do a great job breaking down what Ryan Tannehill saw on a blitz situation. Right. And like why he threw where he threw and the safety rolled here and the corner dropped there. So that's why he read it and went this direction. What I'm worried about is like, he's not going to give us anything because he doesn't want to like betray anybody. You know what I mean? Like, I, th- I think you'll get a different perspective than what you get out of some of these other players that are come to us. Listen, Drew Brees was atrocious. I don't ever want to see Drew Brees on my TV again because it's going to make me hate Drew Brees the player. <laughs> I'll just sour on him. And, and I love Drew Brees the player. I like watching him, but he's a horrible commentator. He's horrible on the TV. He has no personality. He's just, he's trash. And a player that I do like is Greg Olson. And now Greg Olson yeah. fumbled a couple of the names during the Titans broadcast. Uh, human error. But for the most part, he was giving you insight into what it was to be a player, what it was to do certain things. And he was doing the X's and O's just as good as Tony Romo was without, you know, having to yell into the T, yell in the microphone and make everything sound like it's sunshine and puppy dog tales, you know. Which is Colin. That's Chris Collinsworth, frankly. Like Collinsworth yeah. is just like, this guy does everything amazingly. Yeah. He, Gruden was it like the that? same thing. Yeah. These. I need a little bit more realism yes. out of our announcers. Greg Olson did that. You know, another guy that I wish they would have bought out to pair with Tom Brady is Kevin Harlan. Could you imagine Kevin Harlan, Tom Brady? Yeah. would have been awesome. I don't. I like Kevin Harlan. I do think there are excellent for football, college and pro. I think the top broadcast teams are phenomenal. Like, I think they're great. Like, I, I you look at, you know, whether it's Herb Street and Fowler or Al Michaels or Tarico or the top Fox broadcast, the top CBS broadcast, you know, now you've got Amazon getting into this. Uh, Apple's going to get Sunday ticket, right, from from the NFL package. I think the top tier guys are really, really good. And even the second tier guys, I think, are really, really good. But again, once you get down, and this is why I think Titans fans have a legitimate complaint about being disrespected all the time. Like, getting that third or fourth or fifth tier broadcast team, as I already said, a lot of times it's these guys have no real business doing this. And I'm not suggesting I could do better or whatever. Like we're, we're at, we're armchair experts here on this, but it, just get the guy's names, right? Like you got to do that bare, bare minimum. So, so uh, Zach, your microphone is muted right now. Nobody can hear what you're saying. I understand that a little bit of the human error element involved that sometimes you say a name before you actually realize what it's pronounced. And then it's yeah. hard for you to escape it. But well, that, that, at, at some point, you have to just train yourself into a room and chain chain in there and just study yep, and yep. just do it. And I I think that the, the people that do it all the time are the ones that don't take their job as serious as maybe other people do. And yep. that's why they are the sixth broadcasting team. That's why they yep. are Spiro Didis and Adam Archuleta and whoever else are these fucking losers they saddled the Tennessee Titans with. Like, I, I think Charles, I, I've interviewed and spoken with and been around Charles Davis uh, all the time. Like, uh, I can't even tell you how many times, dozens of times. He's a wonderful guy. One of the best humans I've ever been around in this business. I, I'm not sure how great he is as, as a color analyst sometimes. So uh, again, the bar is high though when you look at the main guys that are that are there. So 
Uh, are you doing all right? You ready to keep going? You ready I'm, to power I'm, I'm ready to keep going. This is the most I've talked probably in like <laughs> 10 days. This is your like first, uh, this is your first reps back off the IR. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get into to, to mini camp here for the Titans into rookie mini camp. And we did this on the, our very first show, Zach, on Thursday, the 28th, the, the morning of the draft. And we said to you all weekend long, you are going to be inundated with garbage, empty calorie hot takes all over social media and radio and TV and print and whatever the Internet. It's going to happen again this weekend with Malik Willis. He's going to be out there. I, I'm going to be out there on Friday and Saturday, hopefully Sunday. It's going to be hot as hell, and all the rookies are going to be in town doing their work. And what is going to happen? We're not allowed to report on certain things. Like, we can't report on, like, scheme, right? We can't say, like, oh, they lined him up, you know, next to Ryan Tannehill and threw him a pass out of the slot. Like, we can't say anything like that. But we can talk about how he looks. And we can – so what's going to happen is this is going to be an entire weekend of – over analysis of every single like Malik Willis. Oh, he ties his shoes with his left hand. Like it's going to be that kind of garbage that you're just, it, don't worry about that stuff. Don't overreact to what you read, the hot takes, the, the lack of creativity and the overreaction to, Oh, he, he, he stepped on the, he stepped on the white line when he walked onto the practice field. It's bad luck for 10 years. Like it's just going to be so much garbage. Just, just well, know it's that. Like going when, uh, you know, People like to post videos of the drills. The common fan doesn't even know what these drills are. They're just showing them to get likes and all that kind of stuff, obviously. But my favorite time of year when they when they did this was when Derrick Henry first, you know, joined the Titans at his rookie mini camp, and he was doing a drill and he looked a little slow doing it because you know he didn't look very comfortable doing it. He may have never done that drill before, or that may have been the first time in a while that he's done that drill. This and people were bashing him, saying, "Oh, what a waste of a second round pick." Some <laughs> of the drills matter, some of them don't. You have to get through this 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 idea that you got to dissect every little thing. So I, I've got a, a list of six players, and three are in one group. And I, I want you to tell me if this is this is stuff under each player that you will be looking for or okay. that people should be looking at when a clip is posted, because I think that's okay. the big thing. We need to educate what people should be looking for. So let's start off with Malik Willis, right? There's a great article out today on broadwaysportsmedia.com by Justin Mello, where he interviews the quarterback coach who is currently training Malik Willis and who has trained previous draft prospects, including, uh, Guys like Jalen Hurst, Deshaun Watson, a few others. Can, can I? So Sean McAvoy is his name. Yes. He's trained Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Is that the collection of guys? Well, we don't know like? about Fields and Trey Lance, and we know that there are other people. It depends on what Malik does it does with it, right? I mean, Malik is a different breed of athlete and a different mindset than anybody else. He, I mean. You can say that he's like Steve McNair. You can say like he's Deshaun Watson. But in in the end, he's Malik Willis. He's not Josh Allen. He's not, you know, all these other guys. Right, he's right. Malik Willis. So what they're doing and what, what they say that they are doing, specifically with Malik Willis, is that he has got the playbook, the concepts they're going to run, and he's got the script for rookie minicamp. So that is huge because we know, last time I was on this show, I talked about – what Mike Vrabel wants from his rookies. And what he wants to see from these rookies is to first understand that they're going to make mistakes. They may not look perfect, 
but that's okay. They're not looking for the, the rookies to be perfect. So you should not expect these rookies to look perfect right now. Secondly, do they know what do, are they prepared to be able to run or be asked to do certain things based on their conditioning and based on their mental study of the playbook? So are they that prepared where they understand the route concepts, the, the plays called, the protections needed, the coverage is needed? Are they mentally prepared? So in Malik's case, they are training. And so this is some stuff that I think that you should be looking for, and you may have it on your list. With Malik, his footwork and his base in relation to where he throws the ball. I think that his uh, com- a level of comfortability within traditional play action concepts, because that is what they're having him focus on right now, the Titans are, is focusing on play action concepts. So they're obviously going to have him run a few scripted plays, maybe a few scripted drives. Does he have that level of ease and comfortability and the footwork and the base that goes along with those plays? It's not necessarily about, in shorts and t-shirt, how good he looks throwing the ball arm speed-wise in the distance, necessarily. It's about... Does he understand that the play call is this? The ball is supposed to be in this general area. Now, if it's not accurate and it's maybe a little off timing, that's okay. At least he understands the play and understands what he has to do to correct it. If he doesn't understand the play, that's where it all falls apart for Malik Willis because everything else is correctable and you got to make sure that the footwork and the base is pointed in the right direction on your throws. So I'm going to give you what I predict is going to be what people talk about. And then I'm going to tell you what I'm looking at, which I completely agree with almost everything you just said about Malik Willis. What's going to happen is everyone's just going to talk about the arm and his running ability. Which is unfair to Malik Willis, by the way. You're pigeonholing him into a category that he not necessarily needs to be pigeonholed into. Right. All everyone is going to talk about is his arm is really strong. He can make that 18-yard out, deep out route on the opposite hash, and that he's an extraordinary athlete. That's He looks good on the hoof, as recruiting people like to say. Um, I, I think those are the two things anyone's going to talk about, but I totally agree with you. It is about eyes. It is about feet and it is about decisions. Those are the three things that I want to watch from Malik Willis is are, are you especially under center? Cause like you mentioned the play action pass, which is what you talked about. Great article, by the way, on, on Broadway sports media about this, which is working under center in those five and seven step drops, especially with play action. He needs to he needs reps under center. And if he makes mistakes, I don't care. I just want to see him working under center because you know the Titans want to run out of a traditional sort of quarterback center exchange that he'd had no practice with at all. I don't think that's that big a deal. I think he can can do it. You just have to to rep it. And I think they're gonna go out there and do that. But to exactly agree with you. I want to see what are the feet doing? Are you on platform? Are you in rhythm? Are your steps timed out correctly? And is the ball going to the right receiver? That's what I right. care about. And that, if it's a little off or the timing's a little off, listen, you're not going to know whose fault it is. You're not going to know if it's the quarterback or you're not if you're not going to know if it's the wide receiver. So you got to make sure that everybody just kind of knows day one, day two, the general vicinity the play is supposed to go and how the play is yes. supposed to be run. This is practice. Patience. It's practice. The whole point of practice is to get things wrong and correct them. That that the, the what I don't want him to be doing wrong all the time 
is just completely misreading the play. <laughs> right. That's the thing. That's the one thing that matters the most is like, if, if all you hear is Todd Downing and Tim Kelly and Pat O'Hara saying, what, what about your guy on the backside over here? You had two safety look over here. They rolled the coverage. You need to be throwing on the, on the backside to the hot route. Like you don't want to hear that a lot over the weekend. Right. Even, even still, let's not overreact. It's still his first rookie mini camp as, as a professional athlete ever. Um, what you about- want to hear is like something like, wow, at the press conference you want to hear, well, I have to say Malik really impresses. He's a lot further along than we thought he was. Yeah, but there you go. Or I thought he made, I thought he really went through his progressions well today. He made every correct decision. We got to work on some accuracy and some footwork and some timing, but he made the right decisions and he's, and he's grasping the playbook and he's learning how to play under center. Like those are the things you want to hear. It's not that at, the, at this point, everybody knows Malik Willis has the best arm in the class as far as the deep throw goes and the power and the speed. We don't need questions about his, that stuff. No. We need questions no. answered about his footwork, his mental processing, and his his uh, middle of the field accuracy and being able to put touch on that. And that last part is going to come over time. It's not just going to come right out of the gate. But we we don't need questions about anything else. We we have those answers, in my opinion. Yeah, you de- we definitely need to find out about those like 8, 10, 12, 15-yard dig routes. Like those are the things that the Titans love that is a huge part of their offense. And he didn't really do a lot of that in college. So he's going to have to take a drop from center do play action and then throw over the middle. All three things he did not do really much in college at all. So we'll see that lots of time to to learn those. Can I give you some predictions for some of the other players? Yeah, sure. We... I was gonna do NPF next. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Here's what I've got for here's my prediction on what everyone's gonna say about Nicholas Petit Frere. The eye. Oh my God, does he pass the eye test? Oh my God, does he pass the eye? He is a big dude with frame and athleticism. He. Holy cow, Zach, he, does he pass the eye test? That's going to be everywhere on Twitter, I bet you. Yeah, I agree. I think that everybody's going to look at him and say, well, that guy can start day one because look at how big he is. <laughs> yep. Same thing they talked about with Isaiah Wilson, right? It was like a, a body of thickness is what... Um, <laughs> body of thickness. Yeah, is what, uh, what you, uh, Mike called it and deemed it. And got everybody all hype over Isaiah Wilson and look how that turned out. What I did go back and read camp reports about Dylan Radens' first day at rookie oh. mini camp. How, was so, that fun? <laughs> it was. It was okay. I mean, it's stuff that you expect to see, but it's also stuff that you need to worry about. Not really worry about, but this is what you need to pay attention to with NPF. Yep. His play strength, recognizing protections needed as they are called to him, because they'll probably call and make sure that he's going in the right direction. So his knowledge of the playbook and the process is involved. Hand placement, I think, is going to be huge with him. And how good is he going to be able to keep his base a little bit more narrow than what it usually is and where he puts his hands? And to me, he could – I will say this. No Flags Film thinks uh, over at Broadway Sports Media, a contributor over there, he thinks the NPF could start day one at right tackle. I don't know how the team feels about that, but if he stays healthy and he shows that at right tackle, he's more comfortable with everything that he got knocked for at left tackle and everything is fixed by him being over at right tackle, maybe that is a solution right there. I wouldn't worry about asking questions. Where do you expect him to play? You've already asked those questions. Well, those and questions I talked to, asked. if you listen to Mel Kuyper last week on Lamestream Sports, another great podcast from the 440 Sports Network, uh, I asked him specifically, I said, where, what position does Nicholas play? And he said, he's a tackle. Mel said, he's a tackle. So 
Um, I know they've got a couple other guys that they brought in that were undrafted free agents. The kid out of uh, SMU. Um, Hayden Howerton. Hayden Howerton started like a gazillion games at SMU, like 53 games. Um, that's a guy that can play guard, center guard, any of those three. Ta- like they've got other guys that can maybe be supplemental pieces. I, I think you need, I think you need Freire to play tackle. I think that's what you, you're looking for here, especially right tackle. And in a perfect dream world, maybe some left tackle, but really you just want them for the right tackle spot. So, yeah. I, um, I, and I think that if, if to focus on, you got to focus for an offensive lineman. I don't know if you're really going to get what you need out of a rookie mini camp. Yeah. It's, you're going to have your people come out and say stuff. I think that the most positive thing you can take away is when you're listening to these clips of someone, how much does the offensive lineman get yelled at? Maybe that is a good <laughs> sign of progress for right. the offensive lineman. Um, all right, some predictions here for you. All right, these are right. these are empty calorie prediction overreactions from Titans minicamp. Traylon Burks, it's going to be, man, look at the size and physicality. <laughs> yeah, look at that. He's just so big and strong and physical after the cat. Look at that. Um, Roger McCreary is going to be, you know what? He he looks a lot and plays a lot like Elijah Molden. He, he's going to get a lot of Elijah Molden comps, I think, this weekend. He, he'll he'll get a lot of man. He looks really slow out there. I think that's what what you'll see. You'll see a lot of negativity about Roger McCreary. Well, and what was the conversation around Molden? Doesn't have elite top end outside right. cover speed, but does everything really, really well. And I think Molden turned into a, a pretty versatile, pretty nice little player for the Titans, and he's going to be for a while. I think you're going to see a lot of that on McCreary. I think he's more capable on the outside. I think he's a little faster than Molden, but I think you're right. That's going to be the knock on him. Uh, Hassan Haskins, I think, are going to be – man, he's just a professional. He's a complete professional. Like just kind of does everything pretty well. Doesn't do any one thing extremely well, but he does everything pretty well. I think that's going to be sort of a, this guy looks like a pro, very well coached, fundamentally sound. Uh, Same thing with Kyle Phillips, polish. That's going to be the word. Man, this guy's really polished. (laughs) That's that's what everyone's going to talk about with Phillips. Um, Chance Campbell, I think people are going to talk about how smart he is. How how the football IQ, right? He was everywhere on the field. Yes. That's what you'll get. He was everywhere on the field. His football IQ was off the charts. He was always around the ball. <laughs> right. Um, and then a Konkwu, I think, is just they're going to instantaneously go to the athleticism after the catch. And it's not going to be about blocking. It's not going to be about being in line. It's not going to be about running right routes. It's going to be, man, that dude out in space can run. Yeah. He can move. And so, like, again, we already this. the point of this exercise is that we already know all of this stuff. I, literally, we just told you. So it's all the other things you want to pay attention to with some of these guys. Right. So like uh, for I put Burks, Chig and Phil all in kind of like uh, Kyle Phillips all in one category. You want to make sure that they're running the correct routes. That means depth of the routes, the actual angle that they're taking, the timing that may be a little off. Like I said, they're playing with a new quarterback in a new system, a new play. But as long as they're like within a right there, just right there to get the ball. That's what you want to see and focus. How many focus drops do they have? That was a big thing that I saw with Des Fitzpatrick was that he was just, when he made a drop, his demeanor after making a drop yeah. was the worst I've ever seen. Yeah. And it carried over into the regular season. You know, these guys, if they make a drop or make a wrong move, you got to see how they handle it. And that goes for all these players. See how they handle the adversity of not getting something right on the first try and see if it plagues the same thing keeps on plaguing them throughout the entirety of the offseason because it followed Des Fitzpatrick constantly the drops did so here's the thing a lot of times when I'm at practice I sit with coach Mack and I just I talk to him I just pick his brain about what he sees and one of the things that I've learned from him over the years is watching individual drills like you said it's hard to know like 
oh, knee bend on a wide receiver or hand placement on a tackle. Like sometimes it's hard to gauge that. But what you can gauge is how many times a coach asks a player to do the drill again. And and with Des Fitzpatrick, unfortunately, I, I've seen it with my own two eyes. He would run the drill where you run the three cones and you run back and you run around the four cones and you catch a pass and they'd be like, do it again, do it again. And, and he wouldn't get, you know, he wasn't getting low enough into his breaks and then breaking out the way he needed to. And so Rob Moore would be like, do it again, Des, get back in line, do it again. And so if you see a guy being told to replicate a drill over and over again, constantly, then he's not getting it. And, and that is, that is a really important thing to keep an eye on, which is again, if, if, for every one of these guys, right? If Haskins runs the right route, picks up the right blitz, does the right thing, and then nobody says anything to him, that means he's gapped. He's already got it mentally, and he's where he needs to be. Because physically, these guys, they're all super great athletes, and they're all going to be physically prepared for for the first season coming up in, in camp in the summertime. So, and The last guy I really wanted to focus in on was Reggie Roberson of uh, SMU, a wide receiver, who was on fire before injuries totally derailed his last two seasons uh his previous two seasons before this last one. And he just wasn't quite himself in that final year before heading into the draft. He's an undrafted free agent out of SMU. You want him to stay healthy, but what you want to see from him, you want to hear and see that that dude can run. He's the fastest guy here and he tracks the ball really well in the air. He called it every Malik Willis path or pass deep. Right. He was able just to it. He was catching it with his hands and that, cause that's what he's known for. He's known for his deep ball tracking and his speed. And if he is still removed further from injury and he has got that speed and that conditioning, you got a real chance at a real steal for this Reggie Roberson guy. Cause he's the missing piece right now. There is nobody on this roster currently that has the deep ball talent that he does that's not Traylon Burks, who's going to be running right. different routes more time. You get him, this is your Will Fuller problem right here. Yep. Like, yep. this is what I feel like Will Fuller, this is why he's not signed, because they want to see where Reggie Roberson and some of these rookies, wide receivers specifically Roberson, are at speed-wise, conditioning-wise later in this in this offseason. Uh, there's a couple names. Uh, the the Howerton guy, I think, is is really interested in the inter interior offensive line. I think Trey Swilling, who's the son of Pat Swilling, if you know, remember a former great Detroit Lion player um, at corner, guy who played 40-plus games for Georgia Tech. He's an interesting guy. I don't know if there's a spot for him on the roster because of the depth at corner. I do think there is space for someone in the front seven to take a spot, though. And so there's a lot of guys that you can kind of keep an eye on there. The PB kid out of Texas A&M was a really big-time player for the Aggies. I think he's going to have an opportunity to, to make some some hay there. Uh, the Garrett kid out of Ohio State, two defensive linemen. You've got uh, Anini, the outside linebacker from Houston, is a chance to, to maybe make some plays. There, there could be a spot open. Now, the Titans did sign a veteran today, Demarcus Walker, that played for the Texans the last few uh, last year, played for the Broncos. He was a second-round pick, so a 51st overall pick, so there's some pedigree there for him. Um, he's a, a really talented guy, 6'4", 280, is a nice depth piece, but he's just sort of a, a roster piece. So there's some undrafted free agents in that front seven, I think, for the Titans that we're going to see get get some reps this weekend that could be interesting to see how they how they go. Well, I, I'll talk about three: Haskell, Garrett, Jaden PV, and David Anini. Yeah, those are the, <clears> those <throat> are the three. Yep. Yeah, those those are three guys. And listen, Merch, his he's on Lorel Murchison. He's on the hot seat, in my opinion. He is a fringe make the roster kind of guy. They love having 
people that can come in that are undrafted free agents. Look, right now it's Jeffrey Simmons and then undrafted free agent Tier Tart and undrafted free agent Naquan Jones as yep. the only guys yep. that are defensive lineman players that are for sure got a roster spot. That's two undrafted free agents. They didn't bring in any un- competition. Danico Autry could play both positions, so he's kind of in his own little category. So when you look at a guy like Jane Peavy, who has a massive wingspan of a pterodactyl, is how he's described. <laughs> and guess what? He's versatile. And that's the, like the, the word that they love is versatile. And then you got a guy like Haskell Garrett. They both are have that raw talent that they're looking for, that they love to mold into their guys. And I think that those two guys could definitely make it. And I think that the depth at outside linebacker will at least allow Anini at the very least a practice squad spot, kind of like a Derek Roberson kind of guy. Like yeah. he's going to my, my big thing is don't fall in love with undrafted free agents root for them to succeed, but don't expect them. Even if they make the final 53 to be immediate contributors. Yeah. I like PV Garrett's a little bit. I think his upside is a little lower than PV. I think PV has a little bit yeah. of upside. I think Texas A&M defensive players have been extremely well-developed and coached over the last few years by Mike Elko and that coaching staff. So I'm really interested in, in, in watching PV. I could be wrong. I'll have a complete report for you guys on Monday, but I, I actually think PV will be the name that we're talking about among that front seven uh, in terms of uh, what that we're talking about on Monday. That everybody's going to talk about when they see him physically. I think yes. he will overshadow every other player as far as, you know, the hot bod is what they're going to like to call it. Like they, they love to talk about his, this guy is big. He's massive. Look at those, those arms. He passes the eye test, Zach. He passes the eye test. Um, I think that just about does it for us today on the show. That was a football show. As you see there, uh, Zach, of course, is football under their F words, broadwaysportsmedia.com for the writing. This is where we pay all the bills here on the program. So make sure you do that. We've got one more quick topic for you after all the bills. So just sit tight for a second. But because we got to do this first, but buildkg.com is the website for the Kingston Group, our title sponsor on the show. So if you make any big decisions about your house, don't do that until you talk to them. They will help you through that process. Even if you don't use them, they will have a conversation with them. They'll give you some help for your house. Nashville's locally owned custom home award winning remodeling firm here in town. That's the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. We'll be back in our studios, the Cast Collective, of course, over on Music Row on Monday. You can check out all the other great shows from the 440 Sports Network including all the shows from Broadway Sports Media, Music City Audible, the Hot Read Podcast, Club and Country, the Gold Standard, Lamestream Sports, Fringe Element, all of them. Just type in 440 in your podcast app or go to the YouTube page and check all that stuff out. All right. Before we finish, we have one quick comment. I know. So I have been touting one particular college player on every show that I do for about four and a half years now. And my wife was watching a reality TV show the other day. And one of the like drunk girls who's now married at first sight to a guy she's never met before hates chicken finger boys. What's a chicken finger boy, you might ask? Well, it's a guy who goes to a restaurant and orders chicken fingers, French fries, and ketchup and does not have any you know, desire to go outside of that four-year-old palate. My five-year-old has a better, more evolved palate than chicken finger boy. I didn't know, Zach, that I needed a name for the person in my life that has a chicken finger boy palate. I've but known no, it. Growing up in uh, Florence, Alabama, I have known many ch- uh, yes. f- chicken finger boy. There's, <laughs> there were, I, I've gr- uh, even grown old 
with many yes. a chicken finger boy. Yes. They are my least favorite kind of people to go out to dinner with because they know nothing about I know, food. I know. So Stony, settle down, Stony. I, I get it. Chicken fingers on occasion can be delicious. French fries are delicious. I get all of that. What I am saying is if, if you are unwilling to ever do anything else but just be a chicken finger boy, you are chicken finger boy. That's it. You have a, 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 a the palate of a toddler. And unfortunately, I was dead wrong about Sam Howell because Sam Howell won't eat steak. He's never tried it. Won't have a burger. Never tried it. Won't eat seafood. Never tried it. Doesn't even eat just like barbecue. What the you? How can you play college football in North Carolina and not eat barbecue? All he he brings his own chicken tenders to the team meal because he is the ultimate chicken finger boy. I have so many questions that I wish we could sit down with Sam Howell because I would love to talk to him about. You know, when he goes to a nice steakhouse, does he do if they don't have chicken fingers on the adult menu, what does he order? I hope he's never been to a steakhouse, honestly. Like my that's my I, least favorite person is a, we go to a steakhouse and they get chicken and then they complain about their chicken the whole time. Because I'll look at him and say, well, that's what you get for fucking ordering chicken at a steakhouse. You can order seafood at a steakhouse like crab legs salmon normally salmon salmon salmon's typically sure. pretty good salmon is like I the won't look down room. at salmon people <laughs> but you're at a steakhouse you order steak Ugh. if i would have known this w- w- long ago i wouldn't have even watched film of sam howell because it's not going to be worth my time because there's no way that john robson and mike frable sat down with that guy and this guy probably, he's like, oh, I'm a little hungry. you mind if I pop open some food? And he just opens up some chicken tenders and while they're at, like, Kane Prime or Oak Steakhouse. Like, give me a break that this guy is NFL quarterback material. He should not be allowed in the league. This is worse. This is worse than Patrick Mahomes putting ketchup on steak. Oh, that's bad, too. It's Ooh, bad, that's, but it's worse. That's, that's pretty bad. I think you're right. This is worse. I just don't know how, like, we know all the guys in that huddle that are on offense. They all have like, like these are well-paid people that eat very good food. I, I, if Sam Howell were to step into that huddle and look around at a group of millionaires and they look at him, I don't know how you can be. I don't know how he can be a leader for them. Like if I looked at a guy, I'd be like, I'd have no respect for you. If I knew you were a chicken finger boy and you were trying to call a play in the huddle, like, come on guys, let's do this one, one for the Gipper. And you're like, Shut the hell up. All you eat is chicken fingers. Well, what happens when the nutritionist, the team nutritionist tells them that he can't, hey, you're going to have to lay off these chicken titters. You're kind of in shit shape. <laughs> What's he going to do? And you then know what a vegetable all is. this money, you know, he's going to have come into some money and he probably hires mm-hmm. like a personal chef. So, you know, some of these guys do. It's just chicken titters. Does he, where does he get the chicken titters? Or, organic, kind of- organic. Grilled? Organic free range chicken tenders. Yeah. Now, here's my other problem in general with this. When you're a child, chicken tenders are fine. Boneless wings and chicken tenders, those aren't those aren't a thing. That's not a part that's just chicken breast that's that's served up for a child. That's what yeah. that is. It, it's, it's just it, I, I, I am I'm so I'm okay offended. with like like go to Chili's. They have really great chicken tenders and seasoned fries. Really good. Now go is to, that gonna be the first go, thing that I order? Hell no. It's probably like the sixth, seventh thing on the menu. Go to Jack. I don't mind like Zaxby's, great chicken tenders. Popeyes, get some chick, get you some chicken tenders, little fella. That's okay. <laughs> like, I just don't understand how you go to. I don't understand how you live just on chicken tenders I've... and never eat a steak, never eat a burger, yeah, never that's eat the... a burger. That's, that's mind blowing in itself. 
Yes. ML Rose Jasper's, by the way, two great places to get burgers in town. Go to either one of them and they will serve you a spectacular burger. Unlike literally Sam Howell has ever tried before. It's just wild. I, I could not imagine this guy's got to get a grip and I can understand now why he fell to the fourth or fifth round where I know. got drafted. And really, I know he's undraftable. He'd have been off my board so quick. Yeah. D- <laughs> and if Mur- John Murder. Robinson, if I worked for the Titans, John Robinson said, hey, what happened to Sam Howell's name? I would say, I heard he killed someone. I'm just saying we should probably stay away from him. Yes. Murder and Chicken Finger Boy are how you get removed from our board. Yes. That's the only two things. Everything else is in play. But if you kill somebody or if you only eat chicken tenders, you're off the board, folks. That's yep. it. You're done. That about does it for us, folks. We really appreciate you guys hanging out. We'll have a full report for the Titan schedule and from Rookie Minicamp coming up on Monday. Make sure you turn all the notifications on across all the platforms. We really appreciate all the support you guys have given us over the course of the first couple of weeks here. Zach is back and better than ever, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> by by Monday, you can get to him on Twitter at FWordsPod, football and other FWords, Broadway Sports Media. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for watching and for hanging out and for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, all that great stuff. This has been a football show right here on the 440 Sports Network.